How cool that as we get to be the family of God, um, we get to look to the Father, right, uh, who teaches us how to uh, love these children. So our reading um, from God's word today is Exodus 15, verses 1 through 3. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. This is God's word. Please be seated. All right. Good morning. My name is Dave. Um, I'm a pastor here at Redemption Tucson. I typically do the bulk of the preaching. It's great to see you all here this morning. And um, we're walking through the book of Exodus. We've been in a, a series in Exodus, and uh, it's been shaping. And I'm excited for what we get to do this morning together. If, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I just want to give you all a, uh, a heads up that I have a stutter, and it'll kind of come in and out as I go. And so just want to make sure that you all know what that is. And um, also, uh, want to just give a little, a little exhort to us as a church this morning, um, that we say we exist here lo locally as Redemption Church Tucson to, um, for Jesus' glory and the good of Tucson, all right? Redemption Church as a whole, we exist to glorify God by strengthening and birthing healthy local congregations. So we hear again, Jesus' glory, good of Tucson, all right? Part of that is filling up that stadium on Saturday, okay? I'm serious. This is, this is part of my, my job here. My pastoral call is helping us, okay? It's not good. We don't bless Tucson when, um, when we upset Washington next week and we got an empty stadium, all right? So it's an 8 p.m. game. I, I get up really early on Sundays and I'll be there. So come with us. Join us, all right? Um, so anyway, there you go. All right, I did my part. Amen? All right. So um, this morning, go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. If you have a copy of God's Word on your phone or in your hands, um, you know, however that works. If you don't have one at all, would you raise your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you a copy of God's Word. And this is our gift to you. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene... Por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Éxodo capítulo 15. Oh, we need one over here on my left. Okay, you got it. Thank you. Um, it's a team effort, right, like we just heard. So um, this morning, this is where we'll be. Um, I'm going to try to keep this time shorter than normal because we want to participate in what is happening in Exodus, which is what I like to call a praise break, all right? I didn't make that term up. Some of you guys know where that comes from. Um, but it's a time where we're so infatuated and enamored with what God is doing, with who he is, his power, his glory, that he has revealed to his people that we can do no other than to just stop and praise him and worship him and enter into corporate worship. And that's what's happening in Exodus chapter 15 is God's people have complained, all right, and they will complain, like come back and next week, you'll see. But right now is a moment where they can do none other than to stop 
and worship and, 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 and marvel at God and his power and his glory as God is making himself known in a world where he has been so greatly forgotten God's people see, for the first time as we'll see, they declare who he is. They, they praise him, and then they sing this song. And so we're going to sing a lot this morning. And then, um, so I'm going to explain some things, and then I'm going get, to get out of the way, and we're all going to stand and just enter in again to corporate worship. Amen? All right. Don't be so excited about getting me out of the way. But no, let's, let's, um, let's pray, and then we'll get into our time together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all the work that you're doing in our church, in our city, in other churches around Tucson. Lord, that we get to see you glorified. We get to see you at work. Um, as was said earlier, we get to see children dedicated, Lord, to you. And we get to um, celebrate life and then also, Lord, come alongside families and Grieve with those who are grieving and, 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 and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And, and in all of it, we, we get to do it um, under, in light of the name of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So let's just pick right up here in chapter 15, verse 1. And actually, I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 16 because basically the the begin I'm sorry and verse 21 because actually this this song is begins and ends with the almost exactly the same words okay the same theme is going on and it's simply worshiping and praising then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. And then down in verse 21, um, Moses' extended family member, Miriam, says this, And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. So a craze break is something like this. It's similar to... Um, if you've watched football or any sport and, you've, and you get to watch some of the footage when a team comes back into the locker room, like after a game, after they've won, they all circle around or sometimes, I don't know if you guys saw this, I'll give a little shout out to the sport of rugby because that's one of the sports that I played and it's fun and it gets overlooked a lot. And um, one of the most beautiful scenes from the Olympics, the last one, was after the team from Fiji won it all. They won the gold medal and they just circled up and and, 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 and worshipped and sang this hymn and, and, were, and, and, and these huge buff dudes were just crying and, and praising and it was an incredible scene, all right? It's a similar scene if you guys, some of y'all follow this, right? Like, who's got it better than us? Nobody, all right, a couple of us know this. Like, I know we got some mean... Michigan fans in here, that's a little nod. There's this whole scene where you can watch um, Jim Harbaugh, a coach, is just getting hyped up, and some people make fun of it and make some memes out of it. But he's like, who's got it better than us? And then the team's nobody. And right, they're pumped. They're pumped because they just won, all right, because their team is, has, has earned a victory. That's kind of like what a praise break is, okay, where you've seen victory take place, and you can do none other than to celebrate. But there's a huge difference here. The people of Israel didn't do anything, all right? It's like 
it's like a fan. Some of us are like this, just getting wild, getting crazy. It's like, you didn't do, you were eating popcorn. Like, you didn't do anything for that. No, I cheered really loudly. Like I helped, right? No, it's like, no, you didn't do anything to earn that victory. That's what's happening here. Is God's people have seen God work in a powerful, mighty way. And they didn't do anything. And that leads them to worship, to declare God's bigness, his strength, his glory, as they're remembering the mighty works of God. And so they say, right, they say, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Who has triumphed? God. He has triumphed gloriously. And then look, though, this is one of those parts where preachers like to try to skip over, and I would like to, right? Look at part of what they say. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. That's kind of a weird thing to say in a, a worship song, right? And they say it again, right? At the end of this whole thing in verse 21, the same thing is said. That's kind of weird. And, and they even say, God is a man of war in verse 3. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Again, that's kind of a weird thing to say. But what they're saying is God fights for his people. All right, and then read with me verse 16 as well because there's a similar connection here. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. So there's this weird thing going on here where they're worshiping God. They're, they're talking about how they, as his people, get to pass by, but they're also saying, you've thrown the horse and his rider into the oceans. All right, just a little recap. What we saw is God's people were, um, took the exodus or the departure out of Egypt where they had been enslaved, where they had been oppressed, where, where they could not worship God as their God and they as his people. And so they finally um, are able to depart in this incredible scene like about a m million people um, leave all at once. They leave Egypt and they have all this plunder. And then all of a sudden, no longer could they get to where they're facing this obstacle, this huge ocean, right? They can't jump over it. They can't swim through it. They can't, they're stuck. There's no way. And then all of a sudden, God, and we believe this, we believe that the Bible is true. God miraculously, um, with his breath, like blue, it says from an east wind, God breathes and blows on the Red Sea, and it parts. And it's this huge wall, and they walk through it, like miles, miles and miles, and he just holds the sea up. And then they get on the other side, and then they look back, and their oppressors are charging after them. And what does God do? He basically withholds his breath. He lets the seas fall on them, devouring them. His judgment falls on the people of Egypt, on the oppressors of God's people. He judges sin. He judges rebelliousness against him. Pharaoh has constantly said, who is God? I don't know him. And he's essentially saying, God, your God is not the real God. I'm God. Okay, he, he commits ultimate treason against God. And God judges that. And now I want to be honest here for a moment. We aren't really comfortable with that kind of language in our day, right? We're not really comfortable with the horse and his rider you have thrown into the sea. 
All right. But again, we need to look through this. We are kind of at the top of the pyramid, okay? We're in America, most of us um, kind of in, in some way are at the top of this scheme, and we tend to read the Bible from the top. But we need to stop and imagine reading it from below, from the marginalized, the overlooked, the underrepresented, right? Imagine if you have been oppressed for, in your family oppressed for 400 plus years, you've been suffering, and then you see God judging the oppressor, judging sin. There's this helpful quote by this guy, um, a the- theologian, Miroslav Volf, um, who grew up under, uh, as a persecuted follower of Jesus in um, like Croatian, Serbian, Yugoslavian kind of war, if some of you guys remember that in the early 90s, this, this big time war that was happening. Well, he grew up under that. And this is what he says. A belief in divine vengeance will be unpopular with many Christians, especially theologians in the West. To the person who is inclined to dismiss it, I suggest imagining that you are delivering a lecture in a war zone. Among your listeners are people whose cities and villages have first been plundered, then burned and leveled to the ground. And I put a little dot, dot, dot in there because there's a little bit even more graphic language. You can look up that full quote if you want, but hopefully you get the picture. Soon you would discover that it takes the quiet of a suburban home for the birth of that human nonviolence corresponds to God's refusal to judge. In a scorched land soaked in the blood of the innocent, it will invariably die. Okay, let me explain. What he's saying is it takes the comfort of a gated community, suburban home of lack of oppression to kind of sit on our high horses and judge God for his judgment of the oppressors, his judgment of sin. Okay, in a sense, if you've experienced horrible atrocities, then you're a little quicker to long for the day that God will judge, okay, that God will judge injustice. If you've suffered under injustice, you're a little quicker to long for the day where God will put that injustice to an end and where he will uh, judge the oppressor, all right? And so God's people, right, are, 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 are overwhelmed with God's kindness in the fact that he's judging sin, that he's judging the oppressor, right? That's why in verse 16 they say, your people, O Lord, pass by till the your your people, O Lord, pass by till the people pass by whom you have purchased. Okay, so we want to think that there's kind of an arrogance, a gloating, right? That the that the Israels are uh, that the Israelites are on the other side of the sea, and they look back, and he crashes down, and they're like, you know, nanny nanny boo boo, and they're like, you know, look, and they're singing, right? Who's got it, babe? Better than us, not you, right? And they're and, and they're kind of mocking and arrogant about it. But remember where they've come from. Okay, hear me now. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you can, can, can ever close your eyes, hold your hand, hands up, bow your head and worship God because he judges injustice, there's a sober reality. There, there always has to be, hear me now, okay, look at me, a sober reality. God, I get to pass through. I get to pass by because you passed over. 
Right, let me say that again. If you ever get to um, miss out on God's judgment, it's because by his grace, that word means undeserved favor, it's because God has, by his grace, his undeserved favor, passed over judging you because he has provided a substitute. Amen? And so now you get to say, God, I get to pass by. I get to pass through because you passed over. All right, two weeks ago, we looked at the Passover where God provided the blood of a lamb. And through that, um, that obedience, through his provision, his people got to be passed over the judgment of death on the firstborn. And we know as we look at the cross here, we see that Jesus, who is called the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God, that by his blood, we get to be passed over. And so there's a sense here as God's people are singing this worship song, okay, there's a sense of, 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 of multiple things. You're looking, again, you're looking at the horse and his rider, like floating in the waters. This would be carnage. Okay, what, what, what I think needs to come to mind here is you're looking at the reality of what it takes for God to deal with injustice and for God to bring freedom to the oppressor. Okay, on a personal level, Okay, the, the Passover was a bloody event. So worshiping God and singing of I am set free, there's a sense of awareness of God, you have, you have passed over, you have spared me, and it took blood. It took the blood of your son. And then God, injustice around me is, is ugly. Sin is, is, is brutal, is full of, 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 of carnage. And so there's a sense of celebration and of grief in that, and that our worship can look like that. It can go hand in hand of, of, of seeing, like when we sing, we, there is a sense of freedom, of grief, of gratitude. All right, well, what does that look like for us? Okay, let's just enter in here. Can I do this experiment with me? When we sing worship songs, even some of the two that we just sang, and you guys know I always forget. I don't even remember the names of them. I loved them. I'm praising them. I'm worshiping. I forget what they even were. But while you're doing it, what's going through your mind when you're singing? What's, what goes through your mind when you're singing a worship song to God? There's a ton going on, right? I'll admit, for me, right, I'm about to come up and preach, I'm thinking, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I better turn my phone on silent. Oh yeah, I better do this. Oh, there's my, my, my kids right next to, to me. God, thank you for my kids. Uh, let, let me just get more, more specific. There's a song that we'll sing in a minute, and I looked this one up. It's called Glorious Day, all right? And we're going to sing that coming up a bit. It's this amazing song. If you've ever stood near me, you've probably seen me like quivering, often crying, um, sometimes with a smile, sometimes with a grimace. It's a lot going on. Okay, and what's going on is I'm singing that song in particular. I'm remembering freedom. I'm grieving, and I'm also grateful. Okay, there's, a, there's this part where it says, you called my name, and I ran out of the grave. For me, I remember my story, my family story, that, that, that there were no Christians in my family at the time before my mom decided to take us to a church that met in a school, that met in a cafeteria, a little Pentecostal church in a school, and, and even how we heard about that church was kind of a crazy way, and it's like, God, you called my name, you called my family's name, and I ran out of that grave. There's celebration, there's, there's such, I just, I'm thinking on those things, but then there's also grief, because I think of, I ran out of that grave, 
And I think of family members, neighbors, loved ones, friends, who, who, who as far as I can tell, are still in the grave, who are, who are walking and breathing but not alive because they've not yet put their faith in Jesus. And that's not, it's not all happy, 7-Eleven, you know, smile, kind of, oh, it's all church songs, and we just kind of tune out, and we're just singing these things, and everything's good and easy. There's, there's celebration and often grief that go hand in hand together. And then again, there's this sense of just awe, like, God, you've done it. You've, you've led me to victory. You've led my family to victory. And there can often be longing, petitioning, prayer, celebration, and it's an exercise, right? It's like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm tempted. Oh, yeah, I can't, I don't know where I'm going to eat after this. Wait, 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 get back to this. You know, there's all over the place. And that's, I think, where God's people are. There's so much going on. And so what we're singing is this exercise in declaring God's goodness, in grieving over what is not the way it should be, in longing for what he has promised one day will come to fruition. One day every tear will be wiped away. But right now, God, there are people around me whose tears are flowing, sometimes simultaneously tears of gratitude, tears of grief. Okay, that's a picture of what worship looks like among God's people. And they sing, right? If you, if you saw this, if you look back there and specifically in verse, verse 3, verse 16, right, there's a sense of they see who God is, right? They're worshiping God. They've got a glimpse of God. They, they said, um, right, they say, the Lord is a man of war, verse 3, the Lord is his name. This is the first time that God's people declare back to God who he is. All right, if you've been with us the whole time or you've followed along, the first 14 chapters have been God making himself known, right? Eventually, God reveals his name, Yahweh, the one with whom you will have to interact, the one before whom you will have to give an account, the Yahweh, I am, right? God is declaring himself. He's revealed himself. He's shown himself through his works, through his power, through his might, through his salvation. And finally, in this moment, in this praise break, for a moment, they say, the Lord is his name. They respond back to God who he is. Okay, it's like this in verse 11, it says this, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Holiness set apart. Who is like the Lord? No, 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 nobody. Am I alone here? Anyone know that song? Who is like the Lord? No, 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 nobody. It's a rhetorical question. There's more that came up. I will sing for you. No. Um, I sing when the mic's off, by the way, which AV always makes sure, please, that I'm muted before because that's a, a fear. Like, I'm going to be belt. It should be your fear, too, by the way. <laughs> it's going to belt through those. Um, so what happened? Oh, we're actually sacrificing a lamb, I guess, today. We're really doing it. Um, but this song, it's a rhetorical question, all right, of, of who is like you, O Lord? We've seen what you're doing. You've delivered us. You've flexed your muscle. You've proven that you alone are God. All these other gods, all these 10 false gods of Egypt, all the 10 plagues that God has shown time and time. No, that's not God. Oh, finances, stock market, right? P politics, whatever it might be. That's your God. That's your God. No, God's like, boom. Nope, that's not. And finally, in this praise break, they just see who is like you, oh Lord. No, 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 nobody. They sing. God's people are led to sing. Now we'll go back up there to verse 
too, right? Where they see, where we, we see God's people singing and what it looks like. Okay, they sing this. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Okay, there's a sense here, if you're like, well, why are you singing? Are you really singing to God right now? Because you say, um, this is my strength, or the Lord is my strength and my song. Who are you singing to right now? Are you singing to the Lord? Then why do you say, the Lord is my strength and my song? If you're singing to the Lord, he has become my salvation. He, why, why don't you say you have become my salvation? There's, what's going on here? All right, I don't know if some of you guys get like this. I can be a little bit obsessive and kind of critique our worship songs, and there was one that used to be "Come." Now is the time to worship. And I had a couple friends that, um, right? I just didn't hated myself. Some of you guys know that song, "Come." Now is the time to worship. And it, and and my friends, who it often works this way, we we're kind of younger, arrogant. We'd read all kinds of Bible commentaries and old scholars, and we thought we had it all figured out. And we would, and, and whenever that song would, would come on, one of my friends in church would turn and sing to my other friend and just be like, well, we're obviously not singing to God right now, so come. Now's the time to worship. Well, I'm singing to you, not God, right? And we get just silly, <laughs> all right? But what we see here is so much is going on when we are worshiping God, when we're singing to God. There's, this is one of the few things. There are over 50 times in the Bible there's a command for God's people to sing. Sing, sing. Sing as God's people. Sing when you're sad. Sing when you're happy. Sing in different contexts. There's a call to sing because so much is happening when we're seeing, one thing that's happening, right? We're declaring truth. We just sang the song. Yes, I forget the name, name of it, but I know we sang about the Trinitarian God, right? There's, we're declaring truth. God is, God is one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a sense even here of retelling the story. All right, when we sing, there are times where we are retelling the true story, Everything, when we're watching commercials, sports, whatever we're doing, some story is being articulated, is being communicated. This is the true story. Find yourself in this, whatever, whatever good I'm trying to present you, um, you can p purchase this good and, and then you'll be succeeding in the story. Well, no, we know that this, the Bible from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, is communicating a story and it's declaring itself to be the true story of the entire universe of which God, Jesus specifically, is the author and the hero of the whole story. So when we sing, we're retelling the story. We're also reminding ourselves of God's goodness. Okay, hear me now. There's a time when you can be sitting there singing and intellectually you're saying, I don't really believe this. Or you're saying, God, I, I believe it, but help my unbelief. I, I believe it, but it feels like a thread. And there's a sense of encouraging ourselves. Awake, oh my soul. Awaken, weary heart. These are God's truths. And there's a, sometimes it's almost like a conversation going on. I, I believe this, but I, 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 I'm going to sing these things because I believe they're true, but not because I feel like they're true in this moment. There's something else going on. We sing corporately, communally, because we're not alone. Imagine what it would be like here. 
This is like, again, a million people singing the same song. Imagine what that would be like, the power, when sometimes our, our, our worship team, um, I forget what it's even called. It's how m- non-musical I am. Like they stop playing and we all just sing, right? Like corporately, our voices, acapella. All right, yeah, boom, poised to men. I grew up on boom, poised to men. So, all right, like these things are going on. There's, there's, there's just the voices and something that's happening there. We're reminding one another these things are true. You might be feeling it. You're in it. You might be picturing it's me and God and he's on the throne and I'm in his lap and whatever, it, whatever comes to mind for you, whatever, right? Or I'm hitting the weights, whatever that is. Okay, and I'm worshiping God right now, but there's also a corporate reality of of not knowing what's my neighbor right now going through. How do they need to be reminded of God and his goodness? God's people are singing corporately. And his people, let me point out, there's a sense in his community where they are really welcoming and they're also distinct. All right, when back in chapter 12, verse 38, I don't think I even have it up here on the screen, but it says that when they left Egypt, right, when the Passover happened, a mixed multitude went with them. I think I talked about this last week. That means there were people from other nations. We learn that there were Cushites. That's other North African peoples. There were Cushites. There were Egyptians that went with them. That, that, so it wasn't just a homogenous group. Yes, there was a majority. It was majority um, of the Hebrew people. But there's, there's, this, there's this eclectic tapestry, right? Some of you guys know we love that language. There's a tapestry woven here of of God's people singing. And so they're distinct because they belong to the one true God, I am. But there's also a welcoming reality to who they are. All right? So they go out and they're singing. And and that's just, by the way, in in a bit here, when we respond and we come forward and take communion, some of you have heard us say, um, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we'd ask you not to participate in taking the Lord's Supper because in so doing, you're saying, I am a follower of Jesus. I've put my faith in him. The body and blood of Jesus has, 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 has covered me, has given me reconciliation with God. And if you're not there, that's okay. We're not saying, you, we're not going to force you to do it. We're not going to, you know, judge you from our perspective. But we also don't want to be, we don't want to sit back and, and not be honest with you and say, no, there is a, a, a uniqueness, if you will, a distinctness to what it means to follow Jesus. That's not race, socioeconomic status, nationality, um, song choice, language, like you have to say awesome a lot in order to be a Christian and come up here and take communion or right, whatever it is. Um, no, the, 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 the distinction is I have been passed over. I have put my faith in Jesus. His body, his blood has covered me. I have put my trust in him and he has sent his Holy Spirit to fill my heart. I am now dead to sin and alive again to new life through faith in him. There is indeed a distinction. And so similarly, this is, it's, there's a, a welcoming, come all, put your faith in Jesus. But we also acknowledge Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that's what's true among God's people here. And look also in this same verse here. It says, I will praise him, my father's God. I just love this. There's a multi-generational reality that sometimes in our day and age we can get really uncomfortable with, right? Some of you, 
I won't call you out, but you know who you are. Maybe your hair's a little uh, different color, right? It's gray, or you're, it's not as uh, abundant, all right? And, and it's like, oh, is this, am, I, am I welcome here? Hear me now, and let me just say yes. Abs- not only are you welcome here, you are needed here, all right? Some of you think, is this a college church? I will say this. As I get older, people look like they're in college even when they're not, more and more and more, Okay? <laughs> I won't call out Stephen. Well, yes, I will, because I love him, and he knows I can do this, right? Stephen is not in high school, okay? He's actually out of college. He is a father, all right? He is, so sometimes we get judged on being a really young church, and it's just as we get older, others look younger, okay? So, but, but hear me, honestly, there's this beautiful picture, and I want to say this, like, what does this look like for us in our worship? As we look at God's people worshiping here what does that look like for us? Okay, there's, again, there's a sense of longing. Like, we sing hymns sometimes, not just in new ways, like offbeat or however that works, but sometimes we sing old songs in old ways because it's to remember our heritage. It's to remember those who have gone before us. It's to remember and to sing alongside older people who, who we have so much to learn from and to grow with and to grow alongside. And sorry, I'm saying we like I'm one of the younger people. I don't, um, right? But, but there's, this, there's this sense of, of God's people his eclectic people. As I said, there's a mixed multitude, and that shows up in a lot of different ways, one of them being multi-generational. All right, another couple ways that this shows up here is our types of music. All right, some have said that. What's, what's the type of worship style there? Is it, is it angsty, you know, hipster, and, you know, kind of woe is me, and just kind of depressed, or is it this, or is it just we're, we're happy, and we're upbeat, and we're kind of skipping along, and singing along, and it's all good, and it's all this, or is it, or are, are, there, are there deep theological words that's like hard to pronounce? Hopefully the answer is yes, right? And it's, we're growing and reflecting the multicultural vastness, the goodness of God's kingdom. Okay, there are different expressions, different styles that are good and shaping for us all. All right, there's this phrase that says this, the mature believer is easily edified. Okay, the, the more mature you are in your faith, and your following of Jesus, the easier it is for you to enter into the realities of whatever is being sung, right? If it's straight up wrong and heresy, yes, you can, you know, put that on a connect card or come talk to someone. Uh, is this seems unbiblical. You saying the God that is two in one, I'm pretty sure it's three in one, like, you know, yeah, those... But at some point, if it's like style, which, by the way, it's okay to have a favorite style, I have a favorite style, and I have other styles that I don't like as much, all right? And, and that, hopefully, that, that's totally fine. But at some point, if it's like, it's got to look just like this, and it's got to fit my niche, then I'm just, I, I want to submit to you, then we're settling for a pretty shallow worship of a pretty small God, all right? Some different styles that I can remind us of, some different things that are happening, there is corrective music. Like, again, we sing some songs. It's like, I really want to close my eyes. I love the times when I can close my eyes and hold my hands up and just sing to God, and it's so good, and I could just enter into this moment, but I can't because some of those words are like have four syllables and are deep and, and, and theologically true, and that's good, all right? Sometimes, like some of the songs written in the, in the Protestant Reformation, were, they were reorienting a whole people, a whole church, a whole 
whole community of God's people to understand, listen, that was wrong theology. This is right theology, and it's good. Sometimes it's good to have to exercise and, and oh, how's that person next to me pronouncing that word? Because I don't know how to do it, so I'm going to listen to them and say it along like, that's not all bad. All right, sometimes, in fact, that's really, really good. Other things are repetitive, emotive, all right? I've talked about this before. Um, sometimes we, we need to take our cues from the oppressed and underrepresented, okay? Specifically, like, a lot of the Negro spirituals were written by an oppressed people who all they could do is say the same few words or do some call and response, right? Like, who is like the Lord no, 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 nobody. Like this kind, of, this kind of reciting that's over and over again that sometimes is so helpful, all right? It's not, and I've even heard this language used before, like it's like a cult or like we're just like reciting some kind of, you know, pagan chant. Well, again, if we understand what does it look like to, I might not be in a place where I need to close my eyes and just say the same truth over and over again, but maybe others do. Maybe I do and I don't know it. All right, and there's just some opportunity in repetitive, emotive style of music, right? Lament and grief. It doesn't all have to be happy and comfortable. There's a lot to grieve. Um, rejoicing, victory, longing, right? Sometimes worship music can be, I long for this day. It's not yet realized, but you've promised it. I long for it. What does it look like for us as God's people to be, again, a welcoming but a distinct community. Okay, here's our prayer here for Redemption Downtown Tucson. All right, is that there would be something among us that God's doing that demands an explanation. That's crazy. All right, well, and I'll just be straight like, whoa, I saw that like older white dude in a like pastel color polo shirt being led by someone in, in, in like musically that sing in a style that usually I didn't think those two went together. All right. I didn't think singing like gospel proclamation music with hands clapping and more repetitive style is going to be sung by this person. That's what, what's, how does that happen? Oh, Jesus. All right. He, he reconciles people. He, he doesn't, he loves us too much to let us stay in our comfort zones, all right? He's got a bigger plan for us that calls us to be one that, that sometimes is painful and difficult, but is ultimately so, so good. And it, so as we sing as God's people, I want us to just stop now and enter into this time. Look, this last verse, verse 13. Why do we sing? How do we sing? How do we press into this? Because... We are a redeemed people. Verse 13, you have led in your steadfast love the people, corporate, whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Holy abode is your presence. It's to where you are. God, you, by your love, have led a, a group of people to now become one in your presence Redeemed, what does that mean? That they are redeemed. Redeemed means set free. Redeemed means once was lost, but now I'm found. Redeemed means was enslaved to isolation, to individualism, to a pursuit of comfort, to I want it my way, and then redeemed and set free to God, I'm a part of your people, and you are forming us, and now we get to participate as a people who are set free. Amen? That's us. Okay, hear me, look at me. That's you. You've been set free. Okay, look at your neighbor. That's us. 
We have been set free, called together as God's people. All right, so let's sing now like it. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you're good. Lord, that you're doing things that we don't understand. So we looked at last week, why did you lead your people out of Egypt into a seemingly more difficult route? You could have taken down the Philistines, but you led them away from them and you led them to a dead end at the Red Sea. And yet, God, you are working in ways that we don't always understand. And God, you're good. On an individual level, on a communal level, we have been set free. Lord, I pray that we will sing individually and together as your redeemed people. In Jesus' name, amen.